0: You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Hello, this is Dr. Michael Davidson, President of the National Lipid Association. I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Alan Brown and presented by the National Lipid Association.
1: Our topic today on Lipid Luminations is Fundamentals of Fatty Acids. Our guest today is Dr. Kevin Mackey, President and Chief Science Officer of BioFortis Provident Clinical Research, a company specializing in design and conduct of clinical trials, in Clinical Nutrition, and Cardiovascular Disease Factor Management. Kevin, thanks a lot for agreeing to uh, do this interview. Happy to be here. So, I know that when you tell people we're going to have a show on fundamentals of fatty acids, their eyes sort of drift shut. But actually, you've got some very interesting things to talk about. We have kind of had this dictum over the many years to avoid saturated fat in the diet. People have drifted towards monosaturated fats such as olive oil and some even peanut oil, and there's apparently some new evidence regarding the benefits or lack thereof of saturated fatty acids. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you think our listeners need to know?
0: Sure. Well, the traditional viewpoint has been that saturated fatty acids increase blood cholesterol levels and that, in turn, increases risk of heart disease. And while there certainly is a relationship between the intake of certain saturated fatty acids, and increased levels of cholesterol. Recent epidemiological studies and some studies in animal models have suggested that the story may be more complicated than we've made it out to be. And in particular, a source of saturated fatty acids in the diet is red meat. And studies looking at the relationship between red meat consumption and coronary heart disease risk have not consistently supported a positive association, although they have suggested an association between intake of processed meat and an increased risk of coronary heart disease.
1: Tell us what the definition of processed meat is.
0: So processed meats are meats like cold cuts and sausage and so forth that are processed and have things added to them. Bacon is another example, and it's not really clear why the association is present between intake of processed meats and coronary heart disease risk, but it may be that people who eat a lot of processed meats have other habits that are contributing to their risk. With regard to the effects of meat on lipids, we know that the studies, limited though they are, on either red meat or beef specifically And the lipid profile suggests a relatively neutral effect as compared to other meat-type sources or protein sources like poultry and fish. And so the story is getting more complicated than we thought it was at one time. And another important element of dietary advice is if you're asking people to reduce their consumption of saturated fat, the question is, what will that saturated fat be replaced with? And it could be replaced by carbohydrate, by protein, or unsaturated fats, mono or polyunsaturated fats. And it turns out that what the saturated fat is replaced with may have important implications for risk
1: of coronary heart disease. Okay. I want to come back to that topic about what we replace the saturated fats with and the risk thereof. But it seems to me that over many, many years, the epidemiologic data suggested that if you look at a population and you just measure the percent saturated fat in the diet, you can predict the incidence of cardiovascular disease. So how do you deal with that dichotomy that, at least observationally, it looks like saturated fat intake correlates with atherosclerotic disease, but maybe the saturated fat doesn't have as major effect on the lipid profile as we had once thought.
0: Sure, and that is something that definitely needs more investigation. One of the difficult factors when you're considering the effects of diet on heart disease risk is that people eat a dietary pattern, and there's no question that the Western dietary pattern that's high in intakes of meat and high-fat dairy products and processed carbohydrates are associated or that pattern is associated with an increased risk for coronary heart disease compared to more traditional dietary patterns that are high in whole grains, nuts, legumes, fruits, and vegetables. And so when we look at populations that have a high intake of saturated fat, they also tend to have other dietary factors that may be in the wrong direction in terms of cardiovascular disease risk. So it's a complicated issue, and some of the newer data are suggesting that the relationships are more complicated than we once realized.
1: Similar to the French paradox where everything was attributed to wine intake, right? When the French do a lot of things differently than we do in addition to drinking more wine. Would you agree?
0: Yes, they definitely do many things differently and I can attest to that based on my recent meals with uh, many folks from
1: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Lipid Illuminations on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Brown, and joining me today to discuss the fundamentals of fatty acids are Dr. Kevin Mackey, president and chief science officer of the BioFortis Provident Clinical Research. So, Kevin, you had mentioned that it may be a little bit more about what we replace the saturated fat with, not just removing saturated fat from the diet that has led to this absence of a significant improvement in cardiovascular disease. Do you want to delve into that a little bit and talk about what are the pluses and minuses of replacing saturated fat with carbohydrates, which was kind of where everybody moved after we moved towards a low-fat diet versus moving towards polyunsaturated or monosaturated fats?
0: Sure. And what tended to happen in the United States, which may or may not be related, but certainly temporally associated is when dietary recommendations started emphasizing reducing fat intake, what people tended to do was reduce fat intake and increase carbohydrate intake. Now, that might be fine if the carbohydrate uh, that was replacing the fat was from whole grains and legumes and things that are unprocessed sources of carbohydrate. But what tended to happen is people ate more white bread and sugar and more processed forms of carbohydrate, and that may be a factor that has contributed to the increase in the prevalence of obesity in the United States. Now, as people become overweight and obese, they tend to become insulin-resistant, and in insulin-resistant individuals, a higher carbohydrate diet will tend to cause a deterioration in the lipid profile tending to increase triglycerides and lower the HDL cholesterol concentration. And so I think that with regard to alternatives to replacing fat or specifically saturated fat with carbohydrate or at least processed carbohydrate, other options include things like whole grains and nuts and legumes that are sources of lower glycemic index carbohydrate, and then also things like protein and unsaturated fats. And then we get into the question of if you're going to replace with unsaturated fats, should you emphasize polyunsaturates
1: or monounsaturates? So during one of our interviews, we learned that there's been some research on the effect of olive oil, for example, on LDL particles and that the cholesterol that's incorporated into LDL could be converted to cholesterol oleate in patients who use lots of olive oil. And in animal studies and some in vitro studies, there was a suggestion that that actually may be atherogenic. So this was an intriguing interview for me. And I wonder if you can bring us up to date on whether or not we should be focusing on monosaturated fats as a substitute for saturated fatty acids or whether we should go back to what we thought 10 years ago, polyunsaturated fats?
0: Well, we have animal study data, and the animal study data are disturbing. So if you look at studies in non-human primates over fairly extended periods uh, along the lines of five years or so, when they're fed diets that are high in either saturated fat, monounsaturated fat, or polyunsaturated fat, the... High-saturated-fat diets will raise cholesterol levels and will tend to result in greater atherosclerosis development, and that atherosclerosis development is likely due to the higher levels of LDL cholesterol and low-density lipoprotein particles, but the monounsaturated-fat diets will tend to lower LDL cholesterol and LDL particle concentrations, yet... In these animal models, that is not associated with reduced development of atherosclerosis. So, in the animal models, polyunsaturates will tend to reduce the development of atherosclerosis. Monounsaturates lower cholesterol levels, but have not been associated with protection as compared to saturated fatty acids in the development of atherosclerotic lesions. Now, of course, these are animal studies and what is true in non-human primates may or may not be true in humans, but certainly that's a disturbing development that was unexpected based on the effects of monounsaturates on traditional risk markers for cardiovascular disease.
1: So when you look back at the population-based observations, is there any data that populations that eat a lot of monounsaturates have a higher risk of atherosclerosis than we had previously thought, and we kind of shifted the dietary habits over the last 30 years or so. Can you separate out the shift in our fat intake versus the epidemic of obesity? In other words, is there anything observationally that we could at least gather a little information from?
0: Well, the observational studies Are somewhat confusing. On the one hand, you have the Mediterranean diet pattern, which has been consistently associated with reduced risk for coronary heart disease as well as reduced risk for diabetes. And the Mediterranean diet pattern is often thought of as being a diet high in olive oil and monounsaturates, and that may be true, but the Mediterranean diet pattern incorporates a number of other factors higher fruit and vegetable intake. Higher intake of various things, including fish, that are associated with lower risk. And so it's not certain that the olive oil consumption that's common in Mediterranean diets is a factor that is protective. It may be that the Mediterranean lifestyle and dietary pattern is protective in spite of the high intake of monounsaturates.
1: This is certainly fascinating and eye opening. But the question I would have for you is what should we do with this information? If you were going to give advice to your family about how to deal with the types of fats that they incorporate into their diet or lack thereof, what would you recommend to your family and your patients based on your intimate knowledge of fatty acid metabolism?
0: Well, I think at this point, what we can be confident in recommending is a dietary pattern. And rather than focusing on specific fatty acids, I think that we can recommend a dietary pattern that's high in whole grains, nuts, fruits and vegetables, legumes, and then focuses on low-fat sources of dairy products, low-fat meats, and minimizes the intakes of highly processed foods, especially those high in sugar and processed flour, and also minimizes the consumption of sweetened beverages that are a source of simple carbohydrate. So I think that we can make those general recommendations and be consistent with the information we have from epidemiology, and in the meantime, we have a lot of work to do to study the clinical implications of specific dietary recommendations and policies beyond general dietary patterns.
1: And it sounds like if people follow that type of a diet with whole grains, legumes, fruits and vegetables, and less fatty dairy, their caloric intake will almost certainly be less also, right, which should help us with the the burgeoning problem of obesity.
0: We hope so. We have some evidence that a diet that's high in fiber and also high in Moisture, so it has a relatively low energy density, may help people avoid weight gain over time. And of course, in the United States, the average adult American gains about a pound a year. And so if you can reduce energy intake by just a small amount, maybe you can cut that pound a year down to zero or even less.
1: I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Kevin Mackey, President and Chief Science Officer of BioFortis, Provident Clinical Research. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today on Lipid Luminations and sharing your expertise with us.
0: My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lip Association. For more information, visit www.lipid.org.